Now, with the Lord's help, it is turn to consider words we have in the portion of Scripture we read together, and particularly in Psalm number 4 and from verse 6 to the end of the psalm. Psalm number 4, there are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. We read at the beginning of the third psalm, <coughs> psalm number three, that it was a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And some of the view that, although there isn't a specific reference to that time in David's life, uh, at the beginning of the fourth psalm, some believe that the fourth psalm it was penned around the same time and in the light of the same situation. Although it's not clear from the psalm itself, some are of the view that that is uh, the case. And I'm going to assume that that is the case. So David fled from Absalom's son. You may remember the account we have in the scripture of that particular time when Absalom, one of David's sons, um, built up quite a following of people around himself, made himself uh, popular with them, drew them uh, in their allegiance after himself and away from King David. And uh, when a certain time came, uh, he was ready to take the throne of his father David and when David saw the danger he was in himself he had to leave Jerusalem and uh, cross uh, over to a place called Mahanaim uh, which is uh, uh, away across the wilderness and uh, he wept and mourned as he left his throne and uh, these evil men who accompanied uh, David's son, Absalom, and they were counselling Absalom uh, to such an extent that uh, he was uh, encouraged to go all the way, as it were, with his rebellion against his father. And one of his counsellors, a man by the name of Ahithophel, had been David's counsellor for many, many years. And David uh, uh, sought to be counseled by him on many occasions. So the word of Ahithophel went a long, long way uh, with David as his counsellor. So Ahithophel, he was along with Absalom. And there is uh, a word in, in the account we have in the scripture of what David said in relation to Ahithophel's counsel to Absalom. He says, that the Lord would turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness. And that's what happened. In the Lord's way and in the Lord's time, David 
saw and that the throne was his again, Absalom having been put to death and David came back uh, and uh, took his throne. But uh, there were many tears and much heartache in relation to what we have written in the third psalm here. How many are my foes, he says, many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul there is no salvation for him in God. But the Lord made known to David that he was with him. And then in verse, uh, verse uh, 5 he says, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. See, David's focus continued to be the Lord. And he sought the Lord in his time of distress. And the Lord drew near him and encouraged him and strengthened him so that he was able to sleep easy, although there were so many uh, seeking his life. And so it is still in the many difficulties and trials that come our way in life. If our mind and focus is upon the Lord and if our trust is in him, Many is the storm we will weather, and many is the hard situation we will come through. Well, this is the way with David himself. Now in Psalm 4, and I'm assuming that it's around the same time, and he says at the very beginning, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me, and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honour be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? And so on. He is talking about people who are his enemies and who despise him as king and who despise the Lord whom he follows and whom he serves. But he counsels them in verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts, on your beds, and be silent. He's asking them to take stock of where they are. Think of what you're doing. Think of where your life is. Do not sin like you are sinning. And he says in verse 5, Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. He commends the Lord to them as the helper of those who need help and who need salvation. But coming particularly to the third, uh, the last three verses of Psalm 4. And uh, first of all, I want to say a few words about what many are saying. Verse 6, there are many who say, who will show us some good? That's the first point. And the second point is what David is praying and he prays in verse 6, the second part, Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. That's his prayer. The thirdly, what David is confessing. And what is he confessing in verse 7? You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. That's his confession, that's his testimony, that the Lord has been so good to him in the past. And finally, 
what's David's hope and anticipation? In verse 8, in peace I will both lie down and sleep, and sleep for you alone, alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now these four points I'd like to just touch on for a few moments together and with you this evening. Now what many are saying, what David is praying, what David is confessing, and what David is hoping for. Firstly then, there are many who say something. And what do they say, the many? They say, who will show us some good? I think this is the general inquiry of the many people in the world. The many whose hearts are not dedicated to the Lord, whose lives are not dedicated to serving the Lord, but who nevertheless want something good out of life. And it doesn't really matter, it's not specified what they're looking for, but they say, who will show us some good? Now, the good, maybe, is pointed to at the end of verse 7, uh, in the grain and the wine, that is, a bumper harvest uh, that these people are looking forward to. It's as if they're looking for things not spiritual, but things of the world. Things of time and sense. And they're asking anybody and everybody, who will show us some good? It's as if they're opening their minds to the advice and the influence of any passerby who may come along. Doesn't matter who it is, if this person or that person commends this or that or the other thing to them, they're ready to grasp it and try it out to see if it pleases them. To grasp it and see if it does them some kind of good in life. Something pleasing to the eyes. Something pleasing to the senses. Something physical. Something temporal. Something this worldly. Something that will give me a buzz of some kind. Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's uh, uh, more acceptance with my friends. Maybe it is this, that or the other thing. A better house. And so on. Doesn't matter what it is. Maybe the number of things that please people is as numerous as the number of things that are available in the world at any one time. But these people are open to try anything and everything in order to get some good for themselves. Who will show us some good or other? Some good. Well, I think they betray their allegiance by what they say. In other words, they show which side they are on by what they say. When they say some good, something or other that will please me, show it to me. I'll try it out. Whereas the man of God in the psalm we sang a few moments ago, one thing I of the Lord desired and I'll seek to obtain 
But all days of my life I may within God's house remain, that I the beauty of the Lord behold, may and admire, and that I in his holy place may reverently inquire. You see the difference? A man of God focused on the Lord, seeking the things that are eternal, the things that will do his soul good for eternity, seeking the blessings of the gospel. And these people here, they're so shallow. And anything you'll do to them, any scrap that pleases their fallen nature, they are ready to devour. Because they haven't got their focus on the Lord himself. My friend, I hope that is not true of you. That you, that you have a real focus in your life. Not on your work. Not even on your family, primarily, although the family is important and we have to do everything in our power for our family and in the interest of their well-being and welfare. Nevertheless, there is a higher object and a higher person to whom we seek to devote ourselves. And the scripture says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There are many who say who will show us some good. There are many religions in the world so called and people try this and try that and the other thing but nothing really will do them the ultimate good except to come to the feet of Jesus and commit themselves to him. <coughs> Remember what the Lord said of Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus and she listened to his words and Martha came rushing in and she was trying to prepare the dinner for the disciples and the Lord and she was really overcome with burdens and she sort of spoke out of lying to the Lord Jesus do you not care that maybe my sister isn't helping me Martha, Martha he said there is one thing needful and Mary has chosen that good part that shall not be taken from her. You see, Martha failed at that point, although she was a godly woman. The scripture says that the Lord loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But at that particular point, in that situation, she came short. But Mary shone in that she dedicated herself to listening to the Lord's words and doing what the Lord commanded her to do. That's the first thing. What the many say. And secondly, what David prays. It's a real contrast, isn't it? He's saying something, and he is asking for something. But he is asking of the one who says, ask of me, and I will give you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock the door, and it will be opened unto you. Lift, he says, up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. That's what he's asking for. He's asking that the light of the Lord's face be lifted up upon them. What does that really mean? What does it really mean? Well, it means that the Lord would show him favour. 
and love and bring his blessing into his heart and into his life. It's as if the sunshine begins to shine into his mind. You know, in the New Testament, it describes what happens when the Lord shines into the hearts of his people. God who commanded the light, he says, to shine out of the darkness, that is, at the creation. Because God said, let there be light, and there was light. He who commanded the light at that point to shine out of the darkness, he says, hath shined in our hearts, giving the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a different isn't that a world away from the request of the many who say, who will show us some good? And this man's focus is so wholesome and godly and real. And he says, lift up the light of your face upon us. You know, in the prophecy of Malachi, the prophet there uses a very attractive <coughs> picture of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world. And he says, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. <coughs> That's a prophecy concerning the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. <coughs> and he likens his coming into the world to the sunrise. And of course the Lord Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. But those who don't believe in me will continue <coughs> in darkness. But the prayer of David here, he says, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. We know we need it. Even if this psalm is allied to the experience of David at the time of Absalom's revolt, he needed the light of God's favour to shine upon him. He needed the darkness to be scattered. He needed the warmth of God's love and God's fellowship. You see, when the sun rises, it scatters not only the darkness, but it scatters the cold. The heat comes, the warmth comes when the sun rises. And when the Lord draws near, he warms your heart. You warm to the scriptures. You warm to the Lord himself. You warm to the people of God. To the things that belong to the Lord. The Lord's day. The Lord's word. You warm to the act of and the activity of prayer. It's as if you are drawn to these things because the light of his face has shone upon you. David's And then thirdly, in verse 7, it says that he's giving his testimony in a way. He says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. You have put more joy in my heart, he says. He's maybe thinking back to the very beginning of his Christian life, 
Maybe as a young lad tending the sheep, but I believe he was a believer when he was quite young. When he wrote Psalm number 8, some people say that he wrote that as he was looking up into the sky at night and caring for the sheep. When I look up into the heavens which thine own fingers framed, and to the moon and to the stars which were by thee ordained, what is man that thou so kind to him shouldst be? Thinking back to the beginnings of his leanings to the Lord. Maybe he was going aside to pray. Part of the time he was out there looking after the sheep. Maybe times the night was cold, but he drew near to the Lord in prayer. And he soon forgot the cold. <coughs> because the joy of the Lord filled his heart. Have you ever been in that situation when you have lost track of time and lost track of circumstances around you because the Lord has drawn near for the joy of salvation? I was telling somebody recently what the late Reverend Alec Morgan MacLeod Kinlaw uh, told me once in relation to a couple of uh, lads who went to a communion season once, long ago. And on the Sabbath evening, they went to one of the outlying villages where there was a service. And the meeting house was so full that only one of them could get inside the meeting house. And the other man stayed sort of half in and half out in the open door. And the man who went inside, he was given a seat sitting on one of the steps of the pulpit. Would you long to see days like that again, when the churches would be packed out with people? Anyway, when the service finished, the two men met. And uh, the fellow at the, near the pulpit said, well, I, I must say I didn't get much for my soul tonight at all. And he was sitting right there at the pulpit. And the other man said, well, he said, I've never been so blessed in my life. Never been so blessed in my life. And his friend looked at his back, and his back was soaking wet. What had happened during the service was, there was heavy rain. And the water coming off the roof of the meeting house was going right down the back of his neck. And this man didn't know anything about it. Because of the joy of the Lord in his heart. Have you ever known anything like that? Well, that's what the Lord is, has done with David. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. It was said in this day that the time of harvest was a particularly joyous time for the people because they were gathering in the grain and the wine, and everything was, uh, as it were, gathered in with great gladness and thankfulness to the Lord. The joy of harvest was a really high point in the life of the community in Israel. The joy of harvest. And we should be thankful for the harvest we ourselves enjoy, although we're not tilling the ground the way we used to. Nevertheless, the harvest, as it were, that's been reaped somewhere else comes to us on such a regular, a 
a regular basis and we should thank the Lord every day. But you see, this is what he is saying. He is likening the joy of knowing the Lord in his own heart to the highest joy that people ordinarily know in the community. And he says, I have had far more than the highest expression and feelings of joy that they've had in, in the harvest time. Because the Lord has come. And he has drawn me in me with his love. And he has assured me by his word and spirit that I am his. That my sins are forgiven. That I am a child of God. That my death will be a blessed death. Because the souls of believers at their death are made perfect in holiness. And to immediately pass into glory. However much they may suffer on their deathbed, the point of release comes and is instantaneous. Glory for the soul. Have you had a moment of joy as you read the scriptures? Have you listened to a sermon? Has the sermon found you out and been the source? And the means of assuring you that things are well between yourself and your God. What joy that brings. And on the other hand, if you only were a shallow this worldly joy, how poor you are. If the things of God mean very little to you, how poor you are. If the Christ of the Gospel, the Saviour of sinners, is a stranger to you, oh, how poor you are. But if the Christ of the Gospel is your friend and Saviour, how rich you are. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The Lord is giving us the kingdom. He is making us kings and priests. In his kingdom. What joy the people of God enjoy in this world. So this is David's testimony so far as that's concerned. You, he says, have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. And fourthly, David looks ahead. And he looks and he says, In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Natural sleep is a great blessing. There are some people who can't sleep. I knew somebody who wasn't able to sleep until five in the morning. And, of course, that has its own detrimental effect upon a person's uh, body and mind. But this man, because all things are well between himself and his God, despite the fact that he feels surrounded by enemies of various kinds, Absalom and those who are with him, nevertheless, he says, I will both lie down and sleep. It's as if he's saying, all is well with the Lord 
and my soul. And whatever happens, it's in his hands. And my soul is safe in his hands. My destiny is sure. I'm safe with him. And I sleep easy. I sleep easy. What about when we are growing older? I, in peace, he says, I will both lie down and sleep. People who are getting older need, need less sleep. And I knew an old lady down in the congregation or back when I was much younger. She's had her eternal rest long ago. And I remember her telling me once that she wasn't sleeping that much. And I said, well, you must have opportunity then to pray through the night. And she said, yes, I do. And you know, she said, that the prayer I have is for the generation yet to come. For children yet unborn. That's my prayer. And when you lie down to sleep, if you're not able to sleep, this is a wonderful privilege and opportunity to call upon your Lord in prayer. Ask him to bless yourself, your family, your loved ones. Ask him to remember you and the generation to come. The Lord makes us to dwell in safety. When we look forward to death, I mean, when we see it in the distance. The Bible speaks of the death of the people of God as a sleep. It says that Stephen fell asleep. The man who was being stoned by the enemies of the gospel. He fell asleep. And in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul describes the death of the people of God as a falling asleep. Falling asleep in Jesus. And that's what this man was looking forward to. It's as if in the 23rd Psalm, when you read there, it is when I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm strong? No. Because I'm famous? Because I'm the king? Not at all. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The word of God comforts him. The fellowship of Christ comforts him. And as he goes into that dark valley, that's so scary, and such a terror in itself. Nevertheless, he says, you are with me. You, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I, I think I mentioned earlier the souls of believers at their death. They perfect in holiness do immediately pass into glory 
and their bodies being still united to Christ rest in their graves until the resurrection. You make me to heaven safety. You know, united to Christ is the dust of his people, even in the heart of the earth. What better keeper of my body's dust than the Almighty God? What better keeper to commit my soul to than him whose hands are mighty, even almighty, he who gave me being in the, in the first place, he is the one who is able to keep me safely in every circumstance of life, even in death itself. Dwelling in safety, in the Lord's keeping. Oh, what confidence this man had in relation to the Lord's power to keep and preserve him. You see the same kind of confidence in the Apostle Paul's declaration of his own faith in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he says, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And he looks for and he says, from now on, I am looking forward. I'm looking forward to the place and to the time when the righteous judge will give me the crown of righteousness even at the judgment day. <clears throat> he was looking forward with great anticipation and faith and true gospel hope because he knew death wasn't the end. He had been saved from the mouth of the lion before he didn't know what was going to happen next. But many of the Lord's people were torn apart by the lions in the first century. But they were nevertheless in safety because none can pluck his people out of the hand of Christ. He is mighty to save even to the uttermost and he is the one who is going to bring his people safely home into his nearer presence at last. Where are we this evening in relation to these few verses? Are we among the many who say, who will show us some good? Are we happy with the leftovers of this world? Are we happy with the well-tied, the failings of this world? People have tied these things that you're longing for down through the centuries and they haven't fully satisfied them. Their hearts are still empty and cold after having experienced all these carnal activities and worldly pastimes and employments. People really have been left empty, having tried them all. You should follow David's example and start praying. And the prayer is, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord, that the Son of Righteousness would rise 
in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, spreading its warming and healing influence in your mind and in your heart and life. So that you may be able to say with David, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abounded. And you may be able to stand at a testimony meeting or tell people, this is what the Lord has done for me. I can see the difference. I was for long enough chasing shadows, but now the reality has come. And I'm able to testify that he's given me more joy and satisfaction in my heart and life than I could ever have expected to have. And that you follow then David with confidence looking forward. Whatever may come. And say I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. May the Lord grant us that we have these experiences for ourselves. And as we journey through life, that our focus would continue to be on the Lord Jesus, on him who is able to save to the uttermost all who come unto him in faith. Let us pray. Lord our God, help us to rejoice in the gospel this evening. A gospel so free and so satisfying that all of thy people who have tasted that the Lord is good, they long to commend thee and thy gospel to others. We pray that times of renewal and refreshing, times of revival would come among us as a people. We thank thee that Jesus Christ sits enthroned in heaven and we pray that thy spirit will be sent forth into our hearts and into our lives. We may rejoice in thee with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Bless this congregation. We thank thee for all thy people here. We pray for thy blessing to be upon the ministry and all the other ministers in the present. <coughs> and we pray for the young minister who was newly inducted last Friday evening in the High Free Church, that he may be anointed from on high and given to preach the word of God without fear or favour and uh, extend the gospel invitation to all and sundry. Go before us now, we pray, and cleanse our sins. For Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>
I hear so many say. O Lord, shine on us with your light. Show us your face, I pray. You filled my heart with greater joy than others may have found, as they rejoiced at harvest time, when grain and wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. My heart will rest secure, for you alone, O gracious Lord, will keep me safe and sure. <coughs> These stanzas of Psalm 4 from Sing Psalms in anger do not break God's law. Stand to sing. In anger do Spirit, rest upon and abide with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.